Welcome to the Endurance Horse Podcast, where endurance riders from all across the globe gather, sharing their stories, goals, and progress as they train for and compete in endurance events at every level. So kick off your shoes, pull up a chair, and listen as we gather around the virtual campfire and listen to friends from across the world. Hello, and welcome to episode 21 of Endurance Horse Podcast. The entire episode is dedicated to the Bighorn 100. Shell, Wyoming is the base camp for the legendary Bighorn 100 one-day ride. Twice this ride venue has been the host to the Race of Champions, and a champion you must surely be to ride from the elevation 4,000 feet rising up to the climb of 10,000 feet. The Bighorn is a single loop of some of the most challenging, rugged, and beautiful trail that America has to offer. I feel honored to have gathered and shared these stories from the trail with you. Some of you are hearing about the Bighorn for the first time, and many of you are very familiar with the Bighorn. Maybe this is one of the rides you have thought about, taking up the challenge of climbing through the mountains, the wildflowers, and the wild weather. Maybe the Bighorn is calling to you. One of my favorite audios from this podcast is a rider who traveled all the way from Maryland to see that the Bighorn 100, one of her bucket list items, was checked off of her list. Peggy Thompson has been riding endurance longer than the current AERC website has been keeping records. Peggy will share her story of riding the 50 at the Bighorn. I thought it would be good if we shared a little history of how this ride started. In Grable, Wyoming, 1970, there was a meeting of the Canyon Cavaliers Saddle Club. It was during this meeting that local rider Dale Perkins mentioned an article where he had read about a 100-mile one-day ride that traversed the Sierra Mountains in California. The beloved Bighorn Mountain was right in the backyard of the Canyon Cavaliers Saddle Club, and Dale said that there was no reason why there couldn't be a ride just like that one hosted here over at the club's much-beloved Bighorn Mountains in Wyoming. The idea was well-received by the club, though they needed some help on how to create such a ride. The club sought out advice from a Laramie veterinarian who they had heard had actually ridden the Western State's 100-mile one-day ride, also known as the Tevis Cup. The young veterinarian, Dr. David Nicholson, agreed to travel to Graybull and share his insight into what it would take to manage a 100-mile one-day endurance ride in the Bighorn Mountains. And thus, with a good idea, much hard work and planning, the Bighorn was formed. Tom Van Gelder was elected the first president. So there you have it. In the fall of 1970, the idea of the Bighorn 100 began at a small meeting of Canyon Cavaliers Saddle Club. And it was established in 1971 when the Bighorn 100 became a nonprofit under the name the Bighorn 100 Inc. The AARC was formed the following year in 1972. So there you have it, a little history lesson, how young our sport is and how wonderful it has developed over the years. So I hope you enjoy this episode focused on the Bighorn 100. My name is Cindy Collins. My AERC number is 176. My life changed in 1979 when I read an article in the Cody Enterprise newspaper that talked about a 100-mile endurance ride in the Bighorn Mountains. There was a meeting in Grable, Wyoming at the Bighorn Federal Savings and Loan Bank basement. I attended that ride, and my love affair with the Bighorn 100-mile ride began. The Bighorn 100 endurance ride predates the AERC. 
It's been held continuously since 1971. It is a spectacular Loop 100 mile trail. So challenging, so beautiful. The Bighorn 100 was twice the site of the Race of Champions. It starts out of Shell at 4,000 feet. The first 25 miles rise gradually out of the desert to the base of the mountains. You see the sunrise over the desert floor and it takes your breath away. Purple, orange, rose, and every shade of brown and tan appears in the rocks. You cross beautiful, clear, cold streams of water. Then you begin a spectacular climb of about 5,000 feet through a series of canyons with running streams. And as you climb, the views of the valley floor spread out below you. And you see the mountain ranges in the distance, the Beartooths, the Absarokas, the Priors, and the Wind Rivers. Wildflowers of every imaginable color spread out over the Bighorn Trails. Pictures really can't do them justice. Julie Sir once said that the Bighorn was the most beautiful ride in the country, and I believe she was right. Once you're on top of this plateau, you see the snow-capped peaks of the Bighorns, especially Cloud Peak, and you ride toward those distant peaks. Then you go through Antelope Butte and down through Ranger Creek on single-track trails. You think it just can't get any more beautiful, but you're wrong. Because after the trail leads you down to Battle Creek, you head back through a most beautiful area with quaking aspens and climb up a trail through Shell Reservoir and Adelaide Lake. The lake is a jewel surrounded by alpine meadows, streams, and spectacular rock formations. You'll continue to climb through Boulder Basin and you'll look back over your shoulder and see both Adelaide and Shell Reservoir sparkling below you. You reach the high point of the ride at almost 10,000 feet and you can look down and see the entire Bighorn Basin of Wyoming spread out before you. Then you begin your descent toward Battle Creek and your final rest in a beautiful meadow with a stream before you start that long trail back down to Shell over Black Mountain Road. If you're my speed, you get to watch another amazing sunset as you descend through more wildflowers and mountain meadows toward the desert floor. The stars in the Wyoming sky are so amazing, you look like you could reach up and touch them. You'll see a few scattered pinpoints of light below that show you you aren't really alone in this magnificent place. You'll make your final drop onto that desert floor and head toward the few vehicle lights waiting at the end of your journey. And you will know that you and your horse have accomplished something magical that no one can ever take away from you. At the Bighorn, you won't have a stadium of cheering volunteers. You'll have a small group of people there that will care about you as an individual because you are one of a small group of riders they worried about all day long. I've completed the Bighorn 112 times myself. I've helped with the ride in a variety of jobs since 1981. I have personally faced the agony of defeat and the ecstasy of success on this trail. This trail fills my dreams and my heart. I love every inch of it. It represents more than that to me. It represents endurance riding to me and all the brave horses that have ever carried me over it and whoever carried anyone else over it. I can close my eyes and feel them under me. I can lean down. I can smell their greatness. I am truly humbled by the horses' hearts and the courage of their riders willing to tackle this amazing, remote, rugged trail. This year and next year, I will be ride manager of the Bighorn 100. In Tom Van Gelder's honor, I decided to help take over the ride for its 49th and 50th anniversary rides. 
The Tolman family have given their life and soul for the past 20 or more years to this ride, and they needed a break. I truly believe that you will never, ever regret coming to the Bighorn 100 ride. It will be the experience of a lifetime, and you will never, ever regret it, and you will talk about it the rest of your life. Come ride the legend, the Bighorn 100. Hi, I've been asked to see a few things about my recent Bighorn 50-mile riding adventure, so here goes. My name is Peggy Thompson, and I have been doing endurance for longer than the current AERC website has kept its current records. Unbelievably, that is something around 35 years. My current horse, Summer, registered name Keep On Rolling B, has been doing endurance for about 7 years, or about 1,600 miles, and she is a delightful, seasoned mare, smooth to ride, responsive to requests, and consistently sound. She can look like a bit of a bitch with her ears pinned back, but I like to think she is just a bit insecure and defensive, since she's really never tried to hurt anyone. She can either win or turtle a ride, depending on our goals and the other horses. We live in Maryland, where the weather can be icy, humid, and hot, or perfect in any given year. This year it has just turned humid and hot, so I was happy to be able to go out west and enjoy a different climate. My Bighorn Adventure ride got its real start when I realized I wasn't getting any younger and I needed to stop putting off my bucket list riding goals and just do them now. As so many of the reasons I told myself for preventing me from attempting this ride began to be resolved, I suddenly realized I can do this. My first challenge was getting to the ride nearly 2,000 miles from my home in Maryland. I'm not a big fan of long-distance driving. Luckily for me, a friend was also going to the ride and agreed to take my horse Summer, too. The trailer was big and airy, and the logistics of where to stay each night were all solved. No more excuses. The second challenge was getting myself to the ride site. An airline ticket, a rental car, and a wonderfully cute cabin solved all those potential problems. Although I was used to accomplishing 50-mile rides without a pit crew, I was still worried about getting lost on the ride. This problem was solved in two ways. First, the incredible ride manager, Cindy Collins, preloaded the ride tracks onto a rentable GPS unit. The second solution was the most amazing of all. I had noticed on Facebook that some friends of mine that I hadn't seen in about 20 years were going to the Bighorn, and were going to crew for a woman, Vicki, who had done the ride five times and knew all the trails. This was like a miracle to me. She was happy, funny, well-informed, and the best thing that could ever, ever have happened to me. Her husband even agreed to take my horse back to camp from the 50-mile endpoint for me. So despite my earlier reservations, the stars all aligned for the big ride, and I was pumped to go. Ride day itself mostly went like a dream. Vicki was the perfect guide and friend, sharing the history of each segment of the trail, leading the way through the tricky parts, and providing support when I needed it. As she explained, we needed to make good time in the first 15-mile section because it just got harder after that, and she was right. The ride started at about 4,000 feet and quickly climbed to over 10,000 feet for most of the remaining miles. The rangelands were vast and so impressive and gradually led to the first big climb, about four miles long, with spectacular views of the Shell Basin. Although it was a bit rocky, it was not as bad as I expected, and we took our time and enjoyed the views. The trail progressed to some shorter and steeper climbs that really impressed my horse Summer, but we made it up and down 
lots of beautiful hills and canyons. The scenery slowly changed to wonderful evergreen forests and eventually to miles and miles of alpine meadows decorated with every kind and color of, of flower imaginable. The vet check was around 32 miles out in a beautiful open meadow and at 10,000 feet altitude it was a welcome break. You can probably tell that the scenery was absolutely wonderful. The second half of the 50-mile ride was similarly challenging, with a few more dirt roads and hills, and a couple of challenging cross-country segments that resulted from recent weather-related damage. For me, this was the hardest part of the ride. I don't know if it was altitude-related, overall rider or horse fatigue, or what, but I struggled to keep my balance for the last few miles and was seriously glad to see the 50, or was it 56, mile finish. I had a whole four minutes before going overtime, and I was determined to finish, and we did. Hooray! Lots of people came over to be sure I was okay, and the level of concern and knowledge was very impressive and touching. I was mostly embarrassed I needed a bit of extra help, but Summer and I did finish. Not too shabby for a 70-year-old grandmother from the East Coast living at under 1,000 feet altitude. The Turtle Award was just spectacular. A buffalo hair-infused large bisque vase and an end-of-the-trail plaque, plus the ever-popular photo of me and Summer conquering the Bighorn. For everyone wanting to do a well-managed, spectacular scenery, challenge, challenging ride, don't put it off. Do it now. Next year is the 50th anniversary of this ride. I bet it will be a good one. Hi there, this is Dante Lapierre. And here is a little bit more information on this past weekend. ride we went to was the Bighorn. Uh, we only, I did the 50 miler. The horse that, that I rode this year at the Bighorn 50 mile ride, it was held on a Friday, it was the same horse that I did the Bighorn 100 last year and we placed second. And of course, I have done the Bighorn twice before that. I think I've done the Bighorn now three times, the 100 miler. So th this was actually the first year where I just entered myself for the 50 miler. And like I said, the 50 miler was held on a Friday. And then, of course, the 100 was on the Saturday. I was debating the whole time if I shouldn't maybe do the 100 and then a month later do the 100 at Tavis. But I, I decided, you know what, my main goal for 2019 is Tevis, to go ride Tevis. So I didn't want to do too much with her. So I decided I, I will only do a 50 miler in training in preparation for Tevis. Because then you get all the nice climbs of the 50 miler. So we decided to do that. The morning of when the 50 miler started, it started at 5 a.m. So 4 o'clock we got up and we got all our stuff ready and, and we tacked up. Denny was cool and calm and once they pretty much, we went there and we gave our numbers. I was 61 and Rachel Zander, who was riding one of my other horses, she was um, number 60. And as we gave our numbers, they called out two minutes. So we walked down and just as we were coming back, they said, okay, trail is open and then we left. Now, previous years, I know in the beginning part of the big horn, you really have to kick on while it's still cool and there's flats to, to gain time. And we were first through the gate and we, we warmed our horses up and then we pretty much put them in a canter. And the rest of the people just got further and further behind us. We got to the 
13 mile trot out where we actually had to pulse down. Our horses had to be 64. When we got there, our horses were 64. So they just quickly took the pulse and we, and they said, yep, they're good to go. And of course, as we came in, we were, we were off our horses, trotting them in hand. So they saw that the horses were looking good and they said we can go. And of course, then after that, it's still a little bit that you go before you actually actually start climbing, you know, the hills and stuff. So, and of course, when you start going up the hills, it's very steep up and you can see for a long ways, you know, who's coming and whatever. And we didn't see any horses. And I, and I was still saying to Rachel, but we didn't even ride that fast. But okay, we're we're in the lead, so we're just gonna kind of keep on going. I was pretty much leading most of the way. Denny was just oh man, she was just on fire. She was just taking those hills, and she was sure-footed. And we even got off, and you know, when I I walked behind her, some hills I got off, and I grabbed her tail. She pulls me up the hill. Other times I, I just sat on, ah, you know, but I try to get off as much as I can. Downhill, uphill, I always try to help my horse. And of course, we were then going through all the canyons, and which was beautiful. The wildflower flowers was beautiful. Oh, it was just so nice up there. That is such a beautiful ride. And once we got to the first vet check, our horses pulsed down quickly and our trot outs were perfect and they were eating and drinking. And then the other riders started coming in. So everything was looking good with our horses. I had, didn't have any concerns, but I also knew that I had to kick on a little bit that last 20 miles. I had to kick on a little bit because there's a little bit of gravel before you start hitting a little bit downhill and then more uphill. So once they said go and, and, and we were out on our second loop, we pretty much pulled them into a canter and they were just going. Because, you know, if you're going up the hills, you can't really canter. It's more of a walk and a trot and like tick, 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 just kind of keep going, keep going. So it was nice for them to to pull away there into the on our way to, you know, to the finish on our six, second leg of the race to pull into a canter and just canter a little bit. And we came in about 45 minutes after us. I think the, the next riders came. Everything went good. When we came to the finish, they took our pulses and everything, and everything looked good. We trotted out, and they asked me if I wanted to uh, present Danny for best condition. So in an hour, within that next hour, I ended up taking her back, and I ended up winning with her, and I got best conditions. It was beautiful. It was amazing ride. You know, when you go up that hills, it really does cool down up at the top. So it was nice weather. The crew, the people, the organizers, everything really. It is. Uh, it was nice this year to only do the 50 and to enjoy it because, you know, if you do the 100, it's a lot more challenging. I will probably do the 100 there again next year, but it was an amazing ride. And it was such good training for Denny. And of course, our next ride will be the Tevis Cup. We will be leaving on the 10th of August. And now she's got the nice two weeks off. The next day, I didn't have any puffiness or any, anything on her legs. And she was sound. So I'm, hap I'm so happy with her. And that, yeah, now the next step is Tevis. Hi, everyone. It's Lauren Kazaya coming to you from Wyoming. 
and today I would like to talk a little bit about my Bighorn experience. I think Bighorn will always hold a special place in my heart because it was the first 100 mile attempt for my horse Cora and I both. Even though we didn't complete this year, I think we came away stronger and I think we came away more capable of having a successful 100 mile finish in the future. After making the decision to attempt the Bighorn 100 back in January, I knew as green beans new to the sport that Cora and I would definitely have our work cut out for us. Um, to successfully complete a 100 mile ride, I knew that we would need to try to have every aspect of our partnership just as close to perfect as humanly possible. Along with preparing yourself and your horse physically for 100 miles, um, you really have to pay special attention to things like feed, electrolyting, saddle fit, hoof care, hoof protection. And I think that if you're looking to attempt a 100 mile ride, you really owe it to your horse to do your homework, to iron out problems as they arise. Um, don't try to cover anything up with a band-aid because it'll come back to bite you like it did me. Two things that I knew we needed to work on this year specifically were saddle fit and hoof protection. Um, last year the saddle I was using did not fit my horse. She's super stoic and she never told me that there was a problem. Um, but when her winter coat came in, so did two huge white patches of hair. So I knew that that would be one thing that I would definitely need to work on. So I bought a new saddle and have been working very hard to um, improve the fit. And I think we came pretty close, but again, um, pretty close um, is no cigar when it comes to a 100 mile ride. Another thing that I knew we needed to address would be hoof protection. Last year during all of our endurance rides, we ran um, all four hooves in just steel shoes, no pads, um, nothing special. Um, and Cora did very, very well like that. Um, I never had any soreness issues with her. Um, but I felt like attempting a 100 mile ride over really, really rough technical terrain would be a good idea to um, add an extra layer of protection uh, in the form of pads. Before City of Rocks in June, I had my farrier put perforated polyurethane pads underneath Cora's shoes in the front. And then underneath the pads as a packing material, we used dental impression material, or DIM, that had been recommended to me by several different people who'd used it with a lot of success. At City of Rocks, we did 250s that weekend. Cora did very well, and it seemed as though the pads held up really well. There was no soreness issue. But then when we went and pulled those pads off, we realized that the DIM really didn't hold up as well as we had hoped it would, and it actually had allowed small rocks and some debris to pack up in between her pads and the bottoms of her feet, areas where we, we would never have even known that it was there. So knowing that the DIM wasn't going to work, knowing that the big ride, Bighorn, was now only nine days away, we elected to pack the pads with a soft silicone material. We felt like that might fill the voids under the shoes better. And knowing that the, the DIM just wasn't going to work, we felt like that was our best option moving forward. I elected to have all four feet done. I just felt like the extra layer of protection all the way around was probably not a bad idea. And once we started, started the climb up the mountain at Bighorn, I was very thankful that I made the decision to pad her feet. I think that that was, that was a wise idea. Unfortunately, the silicone material performed just about the same as the DIM. It did not prevent small rocks from working their way up 
in between the pad and the bottoms of her feet. So by the time we made it into vet check one at 32 miles, the damage had, had been done. We vetted through with all A's. She, um, her trot out was sound, but as we left the hold, um, only about, you know, 500 yards maybe from, from leaving the hold, she was very noticeably lame. So I rode back into the hold and had the vet look at her and yes, in fact, she, she was um, lame at that point. So when we got her back off the mountain, we actually ran out to town and bought a hoof knife to cut the pads out and remove them because I figured there might be something up in there and sure enough you know we, we cut those pads out and and there were rocks and a few small sticks and things up in there and I think that even though our day ended early you know we only made it 32 miles into the hundred we got a very good picture of what bighorn is and what bighorn is going to take to complete so my plan for these next few rides coming up for the remainder of our season, I'm really going to focus and hone in on saddle fit and I'm going to work really closely with my farrier to, to come up with a protocol using materials that are going to work the best for Cora and offer her the support and protection that she needs. So I think it's uh, safe to say now that I've been bit by the big horn bug and I cannot wait to go back next year. And I think that anybody out there who has a bucket list of endurance rides, I, I really believe that you should put the big horn on your bucket list. It's a remote ride. There is no cell service in camp. You do get a little bit of service as you're climbing the mountain, but if you're in camp and you need to make a phone call or you need to send out a text message, you're going to have to drive 15 miles into Graybull to be able to make that phone call or send that, that text message. It's very remote. The trail is absolutely beautiful. It is tough. It is unforgiving. You, If you have any intention of riding this ride, I would highly recommend you go and condition all of the hills and all of the mountains that you possibly can with your horse. Really just to prepare them for the amount of climbing and descent that they're going to have to do in the course of this ride. There are a couple of things that I would like to note for anybody considering Bighorn in the future. Primarily concerning ride camp, I think that it would be wise for you to bring some form of shade if you don't have an AC unit on your trailer or um, an awning that rolls out. I think uh, like a pop-up canopy would be a good idea. It does get very, very hot in base camp and there's no shade available. It did hit 100 degrees just about every day that we were there. Once you get up on the mountain um, as a rider or as crew, it becomes much more pleasant, probably 20 degrees cooler at least. You can even encounter snow when you're up there. So definitely be prepared for the four seasons. And honestly, it's not a bad idea to make sure that you pack a coat, gloves, a hat, make sure your crew has warm clothes. If they're gonna be setting in uh, vet checks two or three as the evening wears on, it does get chilly up there on the mountain. So if you're considering doing Bighorn next year or sometime in the future, I would really encourage you to do so. It is the most beautiful ride I have ever been to, and I think that the management did a spectacular job putting this ride on. Like I said, there's, there's no um, cell coverage, so the management really has to rely a lot on radio, and they also don't get a ton of volunteers coming out to help them put this ride on. They, it's a small, small group of people that, that really sacrifice so much time and so much energy and put so much love into into putting Bighorn on. 
So if you decide for whatever reason that you're not ready to ride or maybe you don't have a horse that's ready for bighorn, I would really encourage you to come out and volunteer. Um, you know, Tevis gets around 700, 800 volunteers that show up. I think this year bighorn had maybe a dozen people, maybe maybe 20 people who showed up to help put the ride on. And I think that Cindy Collins and Vicki Hogan, Regina Rose, and all the volunteers that showed up, I think that they deserve a tremendous round of applause for all of their hard work and sacrifice to the Bighorn and putting this ride on. Hopefully some of you out there listening are considering coming to Bighorn next year. The 50 year anniversary, I think it's gonna be a spectacular ride if this year was any indication. And I know that Team Cora is going to be there with bells on, and hopefully we will have a successful trip around. Thanks for listening, and until next time, happy trails. Hi, all. This is Leah Kane, just chiming in on my experience of the Bighorn 100 this year. Uh, We headed up there with my horse named O.T. Diamante Santo. We call him Monty. I'd been at the ride in 2008 and ended up pulling myself rider option at 90 miles. Just getting really disheartened about lack of markings and lack of water late in the ride and that kind of thing. But this ride has always been my nemesis. I've really needed to conquer it and just hadn't felt like timing was right until this year. So here we go, headed out there with a great crew and a wonderful horse. We stopped off at a fairgrounds just about an hour away, met up with some friends and had some good rest time and and everything and pulled in the day before the ride. Base camp is is at the same place it was to in 2008. Really great place of Mel and Sharon's. They're wonderful people. It's just a dirt lot, but they are the greatest people ever and really giving and real enjoyable there. Cindy Collins and Vicki have both really pulled it together and made a lot of improvements on this ride. Trail markings were outstanding this year. Very well organized. Issues with the ride in 2008 were not issues this year which I'm happy to report. We started out at 4 a.m. like we normally do out in the dark, traversing the kind of lowlands, uh, deserty area, and started our climb up that mountain. I pretty early on lost a glue-on boot, must have not had a perfectly clean hoof, and had troubles, you know, climbing up that mountain there, starting to lose boots and things, and I thought for sure we were, we were going to really be in for a hard ride with boot troubles. We also took a fall and fell really hard climbing up. We just just missed a step. Nothing big deal, but we both fell to the ground and it was lovely. We had a, Monty had a big scrape on his cannon bone. So again, I thought, oh gosh, we are going to be pulled at the first vet check. Uh, But sure enough, he came in, looked great, totally sound, pulses down immediately voracious appetite everything's great by that point you're up high and it's grassy and it's beautiful and everything worked like clockwork there really great uh, great spot in the ride traveling on we ended up with kind of a group of four to five gals that I was riding with 
They were all a lot of fun to be with. A gal that was from the East Coast who had issues with altitude and and a first-time 100-mile rider and some other gals that were just a lot of fun too. So we kind of bounced back and forth from riding together and then not. And when we went out on, gosh, I don't know what they call it. I want to call it the uh, Shag Nasty, but they said that Shag Nasty was not part of this ride this year. But anyways, we were up on the top in that loop up there mid-afternoon and, and a thunderstorm came through. And I'll tell you, that was right on top of us. Lightning, thunder, crashing directly on top of us with hail and torrential downpour. We were going as quickly as we could through those trees trying to not get hit by lightning. It made for a really interesting part of the ride but definitely slowed us down quite a bit. We couldn't make time there much. Anyhow, then we kind of ended up, me and Evelyn, the gal from the East Coast, ended up being the only riders together heading down off the mountain right before dark. And she was the one that had altitude sickness, so she was not feeling so great. Gosh, nobody feels good at that point, typically. But uh, anyhow, we hiked down that mountain. Markings there were a lot better than they had been in years past. But unfortunately, we still go through a very long time with no water there. And it was, again, a little upsetting that, that it's late in the ride and, and we go, it's probably 20 miles uh, without water and it's dark and, and so on and so forth. Anyhow, um, we climbed down, um, ended up hiking quite a bit of the slippery, it's sandstone, but there's a lot of gravel on top of it. So we got off and hiked what felt like forever. It was probably four miles, but, and the road just goes on and on and on. And you think you're down and it's still going on and on and on. And you can see the town lights and you continue on and on and on. <laughs> Um, so by the time I get down to Trapper Creek, I was really, um, frantic and desperate for water for my horse, but I had my wonderful crew there and they took care of us and reassured us and got us on our way. At this point, the ride's taken a lot longer than normal or normal for me. And we're actually kind of pushing it for time. We did finish with about an hour to spare, I think. But you just never know. The horses are pretty tired at that point and just kind of wandering around in the hills, <laughs> um, you know, wondering when you're ever going to be done. But uh, but anyhow, we finished str strong. He looked great. So did Evelyn and her horse, and, and it was really nice to finish together and, and have a lot of help at the finish, which was awesome, unexpected, but amazingly awesome. The ride management was great this year. I really, she says she's only going to do it one more year, but I really hope she continues on. I know she wants to ride it, but whoever takes over this ride, as far as ride management, I really hope that they can do as well as Cindy and Vicky did. Anyhow, it was a really great ride. We are ready to go for Tavis because there were five weeks in between Monty looks great. Doesn't look like he lost much weight, which I was actually hoping he would. He's typically kind of a fat tick and has heat issues at Tevis. So that was kind of my plan with doing Bighorn 100 five weeks before Tevis is in hopes that he would be thinner and maybe able to handle the heat a little bit better. We shall see. Anyhow, it was a great time and y'all need to go out to that ride. That's got to be about 
the most amazing and most challenging hundred I've done, including Tevis. I would say it's most likely more difficult than Tevis, simply because of the lack of support. You're out there with just enough vet checks and you're really remote and they have like, I think they said 16 volunteers as opposed to 800 with Tevis. Views and terrain there is spectacular. It's a bucket list. You have to go ride it next year. It's the 50th anniversary next year. Hope all you are well and enjoying your summer. And that's Leah Kane signing off. Hi, this is Tennessee Lane, and I'm just going to tell you guys how this past weekend went. I am currently in Cheyenne, Wyoming, where I stayed the night at Sue Basham's, who's been a very gracious host, and I'm really appreciative that we had a place to stay on the way up to the Bighorn and now on the way back. So we're tired, of course, because we just did the 100, but we're all here together. It's Jesse Feinsod right next to me, and he rode with me all day. We're just going to kind of tell you how it went. It was an awesome day. I feel like Jesse and I had everything pretty dialed in. We had communed before the race and kind of figured out what we were both going for and decided that we were going to ride together and had a pretty good program figured out. And we, were, we were pretty concerned about the start because the start of any 100 is always one of the most stressful parts of the day. It's in the dark, and this start was at 4 a.m., so we had an hour, a solid hour of very, very dark trail to get through at speed before we got to the major climbs. All of that went really, really smoothly, and I'm super thankful for that. that a lot of things can go wrong then, and everything just worked out. Kind of paced it back going up the hill and, and did the pace that we had planned on doing and leapfrogged with some people all the way up to the first vet check where they pulsed right down and ate and drank great and they had eaten all the way up the mountain. They were eating grass on the side of the road and drinking out of the streams and I was really happy where, with where they were at. We were able to take great care of them and take our time on those hard climbs. We all, I would say there's five, six, six of us coming out of that first vet check that were all pretty close together. Jacob Kajati went out and first, I think it was, oh and then it was Susie Hayes. Went out right behind him, and then Jesse and I went out, and then the brown allers, Linda and Sammy, were right behind us. And there's a lot of road, and we cantered that. We were all just kind of leapfrogging pretty much all day, really. And got to the second vet check. Again, the horses had been great. We had really taken good care of them on trail. Um, we had done, that's what the leapfrogging was all about. We would we would kind of go fast, we'd do the pace that we were doing, and then we would stop and take care of our horses and we'd fall back in the in the group while we were drinking water and electrolyting etc and then we'd catch back up to everybody afterwards and so there was just it's just the way a ride goes you leapfrog a lot we did the lollipop loop just still more leapfrogging with the same people sammy sammy made a really good decision she had a larger half arab that she was riding that seemed to be just a little fatigued and a little hot and i'm i think she made a good decision and took really good care of her horse and decided to go back on the lollipop loop and he it sounded like he looked great when he got back to the vet check and I'm really proud of her for for making the right decision and not pushing her horse too hard and continuing when things could have gone a lot worse and you're up on the side of the mountain it's hard to get a horse off off the mountain if things go bad so kudos to her so Linda and Susie were kind of leapfrogging with Jesse and I at first and then Jesse and I kind of moved forward a little bit and we were leapfrogging with Jacob Kajati. Then Jacob Kajati pulled away from us on a pull towards the vet check and we slowed down and, and kind of rolled into that vet check slow. We were trying to create a, create a, a little gap between Jacob 
Kajati, who was in front, and Susie, Hayes, and Linda, who were behind us. So Jesse and I were just trying to keep our horses doing their thing and riding their ride instead of riding somebody else's ride. So we were really happy with, in that niche. Um, we didn't really want to be be doing anybody else's pace because we had trained we trained a certain way and we wanted to ride that way. Jacob Kajati, I think he left the last vet check about five minutes ahead of us. Yeah, approximately five minutes. And um, I knew that the two behind us, Linda and Susie, were only a minute. Yeah, yeah, it was a minute. One minute behind us. And so we left. We were putting some good speed on, but again, our horses felt great. I was really happy. They drank so well all day. It took their electrolytes really well. Jesse and I had really made a... A major effort to to make sure our horses were properly electrolyted and supplemented throughout the day. We made a lot of stops, and and that's what created the leapfrogging, unfortunately for everybody. But we were we had no regrets about doing that. The end was pretty intense. We you know it's all downhill, and then there's just this section of uh, rocks that's just downhill, solid baby head rocks and slick rock. And so Jesse and I chose to get off our horses and kind of walk, jog, jig down this never-ending hill it goes on for miles it was very long the worst part of it and it, we had good light and it was still warm and we had gotten rained on earlier so it was a little bit humid but the worst part of it was that our horses were very thirsty and there was no water there was just no water for many many miles and that was quite depressing for both us and our horses and I would say that that was our low point of the day but we we're on foot you know just there's no way for us to go faster at that stage we had gotten a pretty good lead on Susie and Linda but they they obviously were moving down the downhill rocks quite a bit faster than us I don't know how they made up that much time on us but they did and I I did not want to go any faster on those on that downhill rocky section it just didn't really make sense in my mind we could see way in the distance we could see a puddle because the sun was just right and it was reflecting and we could see all the you know we could see Jacob Kajati ahead of us because you can see everything for miles it's downhill you can just see, <laughs> it's like a topo map that you're looking down on in real life. And the uh, the puddle that I had my eye on in the middle of the road, we saw Jacob just trot his horse right past it. And I was like, all right, um, there's still water in that little tiny puddle. And when Jesse and I got to it, our horses dropped their heads and drank for several minutes until they got to the dirt. Mm-hmm. And they were push- leaning on each other, like <laughs> slurping it up. Ear to ear. Mm-hmm. We had also spotted pond, and it wasn't like on trail, so we kind of went off off the trail and went over to the pond, and it was kind of nasty, greenish, yellow water that was really muddy. But you know, it's kind of nerve wracking getting in deep mud at that part of the day. But the horses were thirsty; it was very they needed water, so we went off out of our way to to tank up, and they drank and drank and drank and drank and drank. And so, despite the fact that it was nasty water and muddy, it was definitely worth it got back on trail and we had brand new horses. They were like so happy to have had water and they had fuel in the tank and I was extremely happy with where they were at. I mean, they were completely recharged, felt fresh. And then at that point I knew, and here we are losing some daylight and we had probably another mile of this rocky, I don't know, I don't know how many miles, long, a long ways of rocky stuff still. So we just kind of jigged on a goat trail next to the road that was a little, it was more swervy and whatever, but it was less rocky. And we were able to catch up with Jacob on his very fabulous black mare. He's got an awesome, tough mare. But I also knew that she she was depleted. I was very aware of that. And so when we passed them, I, m- I made sure to really keep our pace up and hope I was hoping that there wouldn't be 
any interaction of any kind and that we would just make a smooth pass and I was hoping that he would not tag along and that we could just continue and do our ride, which is what we had planned on doing. We were planning on speeding up and finishing strong. We got past him and got onto that good footing at the very end, which is this red, dusty dirt road, and we picked up to a gallop. And we galloped all the way to the river, which was several miles. Yeah, at, at least three. At least three miles four. at a high gallop to try to create a gap. They just tanked up at the river. Drank, 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 drank so much. And at that point, you have to go, and our crew was there, uh, Luke, and he was just cheering us on, and we opted to not hang out there. I had planned on, you know, if Jacob was way ahead of us, we were going to stop there and, you know, let our horses eat and, and, and stay in that niche. But having just passed Jacob and not wanting to let him catch up, we cantered right by, said hi. He was cheering us on. He was super stoked. And uh, we galloped up the entire Badlands climb, which is a very steep, rocky I would say three quarters of a mile at least at at a very steep gradient and I knew our horses trained in the mountains and I'm not sure what everybody else's horses do but I I did know that our horses were feeling very strong they were very bright-eyed they had been eating and drinking amazing doing just doing great great recoveries all day and I, I wasn't very concerned about the riders behind us at that stage because because of the speed that we did that hill and so at that point we just maintained our pace cantered most of that badlands section as the light faded away and then it was just dark and so we had to rein it in and we just bluff was just freight training at a trot like as if he knew where he was going he'd never been there before but bluff was just just on fire it was as if he had seen that road a million times you know i didn't have my headlamp on going by the light of the moon and jesse was right on our sticks and cutler was doing great and we were both we were both really happy with where our horses were at, so we didn't see any need to really rein it in. And then we hit the Badlands. I mean, that we were in the Badlands, but then we hit the dump area. Yeah, some sort of junkyard with a lot of debris. There was a lot of debris and a lot of washes, like um, river river runoffs from the canyons. Yeah, where the water had cut pretty deep little ditches in, and if you hit those at speed in the dark. You can really just pile drive into them, like just endo. And so I started to see some of those, and there was some stumbling, and I opted to turn on my headlamp. And <laughs> I was trying to be diligent, and I had had fresh batteries in it, but even the dim was just blindingly bright, and that sucked, but we adjusted. And then we picked up the pace again. But Jesse and I did have a pretty darn good stumble at the end. Um, we, we went into one of those those washouts like a ravine type thing and and it was just too dark and our horses both just bonked into each other and and stumbled and so we walked that off and it was kind of scary but both of the horses were fine we just walked for a while and made sure that they were all right and and they they picked up the trot on their own again and and we got back in line and and cruised all the way down to the highway where we opened the gate crossed the gate and just at that point you're cantering the last what mile mile and a half on county road into the finish line and bluff was strong and just (laughs) freaking felt great he was he was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed at the finish line and and jesse and cutler were right on our six and that was cutler's first hundred it was was (laughs) quite the experience (laughs) absolutely um so we were we were really happy with our ride i felt like you know if we subtracted just one kind of nasty factor from our day that was a embedded part of our 
our weekend um, that we had no control over. There was one person that was kind of causing us some strife. But um, if you remove that from our weekend, we literally had a flawless, it went exactly as planned. The horses were great. It was a really epic finish. I mean, bombing by everybody because we had that much fuel in the tank left over for the last 10 miles was just really awesome. And I think that we left, we left that last vet check five minutes behind and we arrived at the finish line 45 minutes ahead of the next riders. Vetted out and all was well. Yeah, I think we we had a good plan. We stuck to our plan all day. We didn't let anything get to us and our horses really benefited from it. They did what we hoped they would do. They ate, they drank, they weren't having any problems. We were pulsing down under two minutes from getting into the check or strip our saddles, pulse in right away, let them eat and they had they had no problems. They they were enjoying it. They seemed happy. Everything went great. I'm really happy with the, with how it went. Um, Absolutely. Now, and they seem happy now. They're they're eating. Yeah. They're, they're probably pigging out. Yeah. They're I think probably, Bluff gained weight. Probably not as happy. Uh, um, not getting all the good food that they were getting during the race, but they uh, they're definitely looking good. I think um, that's pretty much that's pretty much the story of our day and. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and you guys should all try the Bighorn. It's definitely a bucket list ride. You guys should knock it off. Talk to you guys next time. I just want to thank Cindy Collins for doing an excellent job marking the trail. That was the that was the best I think the trail has ever been marked. There was a few funky sections, but it was not her fault. There was a section where there were ribbons going the right way, but the wind had blown down like 40 trees, and we had to go around. And it, Anyway, and then there was a section of wilderness that was unmarked, but they had told us ahead of time that the wilderness was unmarked, so we just stayed on trail. And then I think she had some problems with people unmarking the trail, and she got it remarked. And I, I totally understand the frustrations and challenges of ride managing, so really thanks Cindy Collins and all of her volunteers for doing a great job. And, and Luke, my fiancé, who was an amazing positive crew all day he really lifted our spirits each time and um, was always right there for us with everything we needed and the bighorn ride is tr is truly beautiful it's the the terrain is just absolutely gorgeous it's very challenging and it has to be ridden in a smart fashion but it's just it's a gorgeous ride it's definitely worth seeing and aha aha was present they really contributed a lot steve hugus was there as the region six representative steve's a good friend of mine and always a positive guy and a great guy to see when you're they're down in your spirits or stressed out about something big coming up like Bighorn and he's there to help wherever he can. He's happy to see you all the time and you know it was, it was really great seeing him and it was really nice to have AHA's presence and I think Steve was the perfect person to be there and uh, and support everyone really. Luke was pivotal to everything. It was We were always looking forward to seeing him there. He's, he's running up with coolers and and water to cool down the horses and um, making Blankets. jokes the whole time, keeping us encouraged, keeping our mind in the game, which helps our horses keep their mind in the game. Force feeding us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and um, you know, everything was going well, and he was a huge, huge part of that, making sure, yeah, making sure our nutrition was up because our, our mind quickly went to the horses and stayed on the horses. And <laughs> yeah. He was like, here, eat this. You need to eat this. Um, it was important because I would have forgotten to eat. I was always so focused on Bluff, and he was chowing down. We could barely keep enough food in front of him that we ran out of food. Ate. We took so much grain in our crew boxes and so much mash and so much everything, and we ran out of everything. They ate so much. Yeah, yeah. With everything going so well, it really allowed us to relax when we needed to and let mm -hmm. our minds rest and appreciate the beauty. We saw a herd of 
250 to 300 elk. We saw yeah. a beautiful, huge bull moose. Yeah. And I mean, the canyons and the bluffs and and just the majestic mountain ranges are just unmatched. Oh, the it's... wildflowers. I got a few videos when I was behind you. I couldn't video when I was in the front because bluff is a two-hand driver. <laughs> right. It, it smelled like air freshener and laundry detergent. It did. It smelled amazing. That's what they're trying to get that stuff to smell like. The the flowers were amazing. And there was a moment in the, in the Cloud Peak Wilderness section where there was a, a fly fisherman down in the river. We were above him. I was able to get a good picture of him, and it was something you'd see on a poster. It was unbelievable. Something that you really want to burn into your memory and always just look back with complete fondness and just see an untouched piece of wilderness that will always be part of America's beauty. Yeah. Um, it was really incredible. It was. It was a beautiful day. We got a little bit of rain, but it was it was almost welcome. <laughs> it was pretty warm out. Anyway, I, this ride will be a very fond memory of mine. I really, I really love how it went. It was just, it went exactly according to plan. We, we rode our horses at the pace we we had trained to ride them and did it at 90 miles. We still had fuel in the tank, which is what I was hoping for. And that's at 90 miles is when the race began. And we raced it and it was, we won. It was great. Took best condition and um, both horses looked great and we're, we're just happy. Anyways, I hope you guys all try it and love it and have great successful rides. Happy trails, everybody. Happy, healthy, sound, and strong Fortiterrid Medum. Hey guys, this is Bridget Helms. If you've follow, been following my story, I started endurance riding last year on my quarter horse, um, kind of out of default, because it's kind of like, you know, you ride what you have and you see what you got. Turns out my horse really likes endurance. So this season, last season, we did a couple 25s and a 50. So we got a taste of the 50. So then this year it was like, yeah, I want to do 50s. So, um, you know, like kind of like the dream big goal is to do 100. So. We kind of planned out this year, you know, tried to do seven to eight fifties, kind of get a base on my horse, figure out exactly, you know, his electrolyte protocol, how to manage him the best because he's not an Arabian. So um, his management's probably a lot, you know, not, probably not a lot different, but it's different than what's, you know, what other people with Arabians have to worry about. I have to worry about some different things. Getting my horse cool, that's definitely a struggle sometimes you know I have to make sure that I'm that's my focus all day long is trying to keep him as cool as possible each ride it seems like we figure out something new we did Matahe two weeks ago and that was a very hot and humid ride so that was a new challenge for us trying to keep the horses cool because it was so hot and that trail was technical and but we made it through we ended up finishing third so I was really impressed with him at that ride because he looked good the next, you know, he looked good at the finish. He looked good the next day. So I thought we were ready for Bighorn. Um, I'm sure everybody's heard about Bighorn. It's you're riding from the base of the mountain to the top of the mountain. And I know I was pretty scared. My mentor, Hannah Johnson, she told me it's not a big deal. <laughs> but when I was up there, it's definitely, it was definitely the most challenging yet most rewarding ride. The views are incredible. If you ever get the chance to go, you should. It was a breathtaking ride the whole way. It definitely presented some challenges I wasn't ready for, or I wasn't prepared for at the time. Everything went great at the start. My horse, you know, he was at, he's getting calmer every start, which is great, because um, last year at Fort Meade, he bucked a little at the start, and that was only his second LD. So 
he thought he had it figured out then that he needed to go fast. <laughs> but anyways, we got out, got started, and then it seemed like one horse we were riding with kept pulling an easy boot off of her hind feet. And so it was like we were fixing that. Then pretty soon as we were kind of coming up the mountain, we started losing. We lost a Gluon Renegade. Then it seemed like shortly after that, we lost another one. And then when we were up kind of towards the top, kind of on a flat area we were trotting across, my horse almost goes down, pulls a front shoe. Luckily, when I packed my pack for Fort Howes, I'd put a boot in it and I totally forgot about it. But so luckily I had a boot left, but we got down the trail a little further and thankfully we were close to the vet check. Um, and we were kind of in a grassier spot coming across the meadow and he threw another shoe and flying back at the riders behind me and it was just like shoot we don't have any boots left so we got him to the vet check got some boots that we had there in the bag it was a little too big but it was going to work we vetted him out at the vet check they did want to recheck him before we left so he obviously looked tender but the vet said give him some rest let him eat and we'll check him before you leave so i was thankful for that um, he looked good after the hold. After our one hour, we headed back out, and he he it seemed like he got stronger as the day went on. It was my first time riding with a heart rate monitor, and it seemed like that was really fun to see how he was recovering, and he did progressively get better, which to me was pretty amazing because we went from 4,000 feet-ish elevation all the way up to 10, and he just got better and stronger. The trail at the the first 30 miles was a lot of canyons and, and and a lot of up, of course, to get up there and the crossing the canyons. And then it seemed like we were kind of on the top for a, a while. And then we headed back down at Antelope Butte and went across. And then we had to go back down again. And it was kind of a steep, steeper hill. And we had to cross a lot of deadfall that had just blown over. And, there, and of course, it's the Bighorn, so there's rock, big rocks everywhere. And... I mean, I thought for sure after coming through that, somebody's horse would have been hurt just because the horses are tired. We'd already went over 50 miles, and but they all came out. We finally got out of the more technical stuff, and we finally saw Ranger Station was where the ride ended, and we had a gravel road that we were coming in on, and we took off at a trot, and he felt so good trotting across that, so strong. It was like... I don't know if he was as excited to see the end as I was, but he felt great, and he pulsed down right away, pull tack. He was down, let him get a drink, let him get some, some grass to eat, and we headed over to the vet check, and he checked out with a CRI of 48 over 52, so he clearly wasn't really even that stressed by any of it. He recovered really, really well. I think that's been the best CRI he's had at the end of a ride all season and he's done this is his fifth 50 so we've got 250 miles on the season on him and I he just keeps getting better and better so it's been exciting for me to see that what we're doing is working he's getting better now I kind of have to figure out some things with the shoes because obviously I don't want to keep pulling shoes and shoes that were three weeks old you know i I probably shouldn't have been pulling them off, so I need to make some changes there to make things just a little bit better so we don't have things like that happen. Other than that, figuring that, you know, I feel like that's minor. I feel like he's got, he's getting the rest of it down, so 
Um, we've got two more 50s planned to finish out the season, and maybe we'll get lucky and get another one in there if the opportunity comes up, just because school's starting here in, in another month, and I'm gonna, it's going to be a little tougher for me to to escape so that's where we are for this year so if you are riding a quarter horse or a stock horse and you want to chat with me follow me on facebook on instagram look me up send me a message i'd be happy to share with you anything that i know happy trails guys Hi there. Okay, here is a little bit more information on the Bighorn 50 miler, which we did last weekend. Well, actually, it was held on a Friday. In preparation for Tevis this year, I decided just to do a 50 miler with my horse, Denny, which I will be riding at Tevis this year. We did actually do the 100 miler last year. I rode Denny on the 100 and we, we placed second. But this year, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to do the 50 miler in preparation for Tevis. Since the 50 miles, the beginning part is pretty much all uphill and you get all that climb. So I really wanted to do the climbs in preparation for Tevis. Now, for anybody who has done or would like to do the big horn, I definitely would suggest this ride. It's a beautiful ride. Even though base camp is really hot, and it's just like a deserty pit down there. Just know that once you once the ride starts and you actually get going, it does get cooler up the mountain. It's not like it's going to be super hot up the mountain. Now, I'll give you a little bit of a description of the 50 miles that we did. So we pulled away four o'clock in the morning. And then it was, of course, nice and nice and cool. And it was already... <laughs> No, sorry, we didn't pull away at four. We, we woke up at four, started tacking up, and we pulled away at five o'clock. And it was already light out, but it was nice and cool. Now, for anybody who's done it or would like to do it, I, I definitely suggest in the beginning part that you kick on a little bit because you don't start out with just climbing the hills right there from base camp. You actually go about 16 miles more or less you still continue like you're going to start climbing. And yeah, by 16 to 18 miles, I think only there you actually start climbing. Then you start going up and you pretty much go all the way to the top. And that's then where the canyon starts. I think we counted to three or four canyons that you actually go through. But what is nice, there's a lot of grass on the way up. There's water everywhere. In between each canyon, there's like a little stream that flows that your horses can drink the water. So I would say there's plenty of water, plenty of grass. And then, of course, once you reach the top, there's like a small gravel road. And then you go to your to the first vetchek. Now, the first vetchek is about 32 miles from base camp to the first vetchek. But you have a trot by at 13 miles where the vets trot your horses out and see that they're sound and then of course they had a pulse criteria where your horse had to be 64. Of course when we came in our horses were 64 and they saw us trot out and they said we're good to go and off we went. We continued to vet check one. The wildflowers and the weather, everything was just beautiful. So we got to vet check one and our horses looked good and we 
paused in quickly and vet checked. And of course, it was a couple of minutes, I think about 10 or 15 minutes after us, the other riders started to come, to come in. And then once you pull away from vet check one, as you're now on your way to the finish, because the big horn 50 only consists of one vet check and then the next one is 20 miles on. And then you're pretty much done with the ride. So from there, there's a bit of gravel road where you can kick on again. So we pretty much trotted and cantered a little bit. And yeah, we finished great. We um, I ended up winning the Big Horn 50 with my horse, Denny. And I also got the best condition. And I feel that my training is, she was just on fire. I feel my training and, and preparation for Tevis was spot on and she feels good. She looks good. And I'm excited now for the next ride, which will be Tavis. Just a little bit more information on the Bighorn 50 is that there is people that can crew for you at Vet Check 1. Your crew can actually leave base camp and they can crew for you at Vet Check 1. And then, of course, they can crew for you at Vet, vet Check 2 as well, which makes this exciting ride not only for the rider, but I think it's a lot more exciting for your crew because they're actually more involved you know they they can take your pickup and meet you um, not only for the 50 but they can meet you for the 100 miler as well so I would definitely suggest this ride uh, it was beautifully marked um, it was lovely prizes Cindy Collins and Vicky Hogan did a great job in marking and organizing this ride and all the volunteers I mean it was just it was a great ride I definitely would suggest this to anybody. So there you have it. That is a wrap for episode 21 of Endurance Horse Podcast. We have a few more themed episodes coming up. One of them being the Tom Quilty, which will probably likely be episode 22. We also have an all Mustang theme coming up and a few other ones. I, if you're following us on the Facebook group page, you've already seen us make mention of them. I really wanted to thank everyone who sent in again because you're what makes the podcast work. It's your stories reaching out to riders from all across the world. So in the next episode, we'll get to hear from riders, a lot of them from Australia in the Tom Quilty. And if you have not heard about the Tom Quilty, we're going to have a little bit of history about it or you could Google it now. So it's pretty late in the morning here and I just thought I'd give a shout out to Bridget Helms. Happy birthday! I was hoping to get the episode done yesterday and I was working on it. It's about 2.30 in the morning here. And then, you know, Facebook says, hey, it's Bridget Helms' birthday. And I went, oh, that's why I didn't get it done yesterday. We're doing it for Bridget. So there you go, Bridget. Happy birthday. Congratulations on your great ride at the Bighorn. And I also wanted to, originally I had recorded the intro while I was out conditioning on Grace. And I had started to notice that there were, so this is just a little bit of trivia, a little bit of good news. I'm just going to sprinkle in here. It has nothing to do with the Bighorn. But I was out riding and I started noticing a lot of monarch butterflies. And as I've been out riding with my son this year, we've noticed a lot of monarch butterflies. And previous years, we had only seen two or four. I don't know how it is where you live, but in Wisconsin, we have like 50 some miles of trails to ride. And we'd be out there for a couple hours and I'd see two or four butterflies. And so I thought the next time I ride, I'm gonna count. And I went on a, a longer conditioning ride, with about 20 miles, nice and slow. So I just said, I'm gonna count them. So I started counting 
about three miles in, I was at 38 monarch butterflies. There were other butterflies, but I was only counting monarchs. And I thought, I'm gonna see when I get to the end how many we have. It was 120 butterflies. So I'm just really encouraged. You know, sometimes you, you hear a lot of bad news. Sometimes it's good to hear some good news. And I, I mean, it's not fake news. I'm not making it up. There's truthfully, in this 20 miles of trail, I saw 120 monarch butterflies. I had to stop in at the Department of Natural Resources for some other reason. And before I left, I asked her, did you guys like let some go? Or did you, you know, have some program of releasing the caterpillars? What did you do? And she said the only thing they they did was they planted a lot of milkweed and honestly even in their parking lot they have this area planted around the flagpole and the kids and I it's the first time we had ever seen in the wild the caterpillar form of the monarch so anyway it's an aside but I know you all love nature that's why you're out there riding your horse in it for hours so if you want to go over to the Facebook page most of the riders are going to share a photo or they'll share a little bit more. Some people share video about how their ride went. I hope we intrigued you a little bit about the Bighorn and maybe you'll travel out that way. Happy trails, y'all. Bye. We enjoyed having you along for the ride. Endurance Horse Podcast is where you get to share your adventures of riding good horses through beautiful country. Many stresses in life are washed away by a good gallop, a steady trot, or by simply saddling up your favourite horse for an easy ride. Remember, every mile a memory. To share your story on Endurance Horse Podcast, send an email to endurancehorsepodcast at gmail.com.